Coca, su naray, su naray en ti. 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 Hello, hi, welcome to this new episode of the Mango TV podcast. Today we have Shiri Godazi. Shiri Godazi, MA, is a mother, integration therapist, global medicine woman, author, and poet, visionary entrepreneur, and philanthropist. A creative educator for 25 years, she's passionate about creating a decolonized, psychedelic positive counterculture and empowering people to step into radical authenticity and conscious leadership to co-create a just world. A teacher to teachers, Shirin is best known for pioneering methods in the field of psychedelic integration and community bridging, including founding five antiogenic harm reduction organizations, founding and directing a professional psychedelic therapy and creative leadership training program, and innovating a proven integration treatment protocol called the Psyched Soul Method. Shiri specializes in multidimensional, quantum leap transformations, soul code recovery and realignment. Her approach draws from consciousness and cosmology, transpersonal psychology, quantum healing. Eastern philosophy and multidisciplinary arts fuse in ancient wisdom with modern practices for a psychic lifestyle. Her website is psychicsoul.com. Anyhow, this is a great bio. Our people are here for a treat. You know, Our listener comes from the psychedelic world because um, I started with producing documentary. I don't know how much you know about Mango TV, but we produce Neurons to Nirvana. Do you remember that documentary? Uh, I, I'm not sure I'm aware of it. Which one? Neurons oh, to Nirvana. Ne yes, of course. Yeah. So we did that, you know, like almost 20 <laughs> years ago. Wow. And uh, and so we you know we were very, we were the very first one at, at Mangusta Production was producing um, documentary like Neurons to Nirvana, Shock Tuo, the songs that brings you home, uh, Icaros. Anyway, we 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 produce a lot of documentary on psychedelics, and um, and now in this second activity, if you want, of Mangusta of Mangusta Production, the podcast. We focus mostly, I mean, we focus on uh, personal transformation. And then, of course, um, psychedelics have a tendency to do that, <laughs> to, transform, to transform lives. So let's, let's start from, give us a little bit of, uh, you know, biographical information. You know, where were you born, where you're from, and how did you, um, you know, what were the cathartic moments that, you know, make you decide to devote your life in helping others in this very fascinating field. Sure. Uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. So uh, Giancarlo, I understand that you're basically asking me to begin with the stories and narratives that have conditioned me to become the human that I used to be. And then I had to break through them to be the, the being that I am today. Is that correct? Correct. <laughs> yeah. So um, just to keep things um you know nice and tight i was uh, geographically born uh, i took body form in the land of israel uh this was back in the 70s and uh you know just grew up in a very like hard working modest family uh immigrants from iran and uh you know just again hard working basic education and From the get-go, I was poised as or tagged as, you know, the troublemaker. Uh, we know that in every family there, we have different roles in the family system. So I was definitely like the rebel, the troublemaker, the scapegoat, the one that was uh, always shaking things up and not letting anyone settle. Uh, and then, of course, we, uh, we moved to the United States when, uh, when I was 11 years old, which was another big transformation for our family. Uh, I did not realize how that immigration that was so traumatic on me left such a big impact on who I was. Um, you know, at the time we were, we were living in Beverly Hills. 
you know, 90210, I went to Beverly Hills High. Any person that would probably hear this would think, wow, you know, like she from the movies, lived in Hollywood. And sure, that that is actually correct. But we were literally living, um, again, modest family. My, my parents moved us from Israel to the U.S. So they could, we, they could find a better life for us. And that's so we did, would not have to go into the military like they did and, you know, continue in the perpetuated war in Israel. We lived in a tiny two-bedroom apartment. My parents slept in the living room so we could go to the schools in Beverly Hills. And again, working seven days a week, just like a very modest, and I'm sharing again and again, you know, I'm using the word modest, humble, because I think, you know, a lot of, a lot of people that look at us at psychedelic leaders and think, wow, you know, they, they've probably had like, you know, so much circumstance going for them, like conscious families educated, I had the privilege and I, I'm, I'm naming the hardships because I literally, I feel like all the difficulties that life has positioned me with basically positioned me with so much suffering that I had no choice, but to find a way to just break through all that and get myself out of there. Um, and, um, so basically I was in a very ripe place you know, like a lot of people are. And when they're, when they turn to psychedelics and plant medicines, I had deep, like, I didn't realize this at the time, but I was heavily depressed. So much cultural trauma that I couldn't even name. Relational issues. Um, I just could not, could not find my place in the world. I was, again, myself too. I was very hardworking, you know, doing everything that I was taught and wasn't getting into anywhere that I wanted to be in life. Um, I just felt underwhelmed, not just feeling that there was something out there for me. And I just, because I was so heavily caged in that Jewish, Iranian, cultural, like, no, a woman needs to get married and have children. And this is all she does. Like, you're not allowed to do anything else. Um, and basically, like, all of your life is hinged on this husband that you're going to have. <laughs> Um, I was like really wrapped in that and I resisted it. I resisted it until, uh, one day, you know, through all the hardship, I said, I'm still not living the life I want, even though I'm resisting this. So where do I belong? And I, I, uh, asked, uh, God to send me the answer. And, and then thankfully into my life came plant medicines and psychedelics. Wow. So which which year how old were you more or less when you asked God for help? I was in my mid 30s, which is exactly the time as Carl Jung says, you know, we spent like the first half of our lives doing research, looking for all the exactly answers and building externally so we can, you know, find ourselves, but then in midlife, you know, we we realize that the answers are not going to come from the outside and then we go within. So that's exactly what happened to me. But so if you don't mind me asking, in your mid-30s, what were the symptoms of your discontent? Sure. So again, I was having a lot of relationship issues. I just wasn't, you know, I just like relationship after failed relationship. I was having a lot of issues with um, with my parents. My family wasn't just not getting along with them, not fitting into that box, but also not having the tools to to escape out of there. Um, I was also working at the time, um, because of logistics issue. When we moved to the United States, again, we immigrated to the United States. Um, we actually, even though we were filed for residency for decades, I, at my mid thirties still did, was not legal in the United States, even though I went to school there. So I couldn't, I couldn't actually go and get a proper job. So I was in my mid thirties. I, I had my, under, my undergrad degree. Um, but I did not have, I was not able to go and apply for a normal job like any woman in her thirties can, I couldn't build my life. So I was literally working under the table in jobs that I felt were degrading my soul, um, just to make ends meet. And, you know, I was, I was making it through, but I knew that this was not what, why I, I felt like my, my life was being wasted. I knew that my mom had a really good mind, really beautiful mind that I wasn't applying and I wasn't serving my purpose. That much I knew. Um, aside from that, the word consciousness meant absolutely nothing to me. Spirituality meant absolutely nothing to me, aside from, you know, lighting Shabbat candles on Friday night. 
and doing the, the Jewish holidays. And I just, I was just, I not just, and again, not, I wasn't living fully. I was dismayed with life, wasn't living fully and was just miserable, miserable. Yeah. But so there was pretty much like external conditions, which were, of course, very, um, I can see how you might feel, you know, in, in a different culture, not accepted, not wanted, but that was, you know, you had an internal sense of where you connected with yourself. You were like, did you feel that, you know, you had an, a, a fracture of the self or it was, you were just on a, on a, on a very different culture that didn't allow you to express yourself? I think it's a little bit of both. I don't think that at the time, or not just, it's not that I don't think, I, I know for a fact that at the time I did not have the terminology to articulate, yeah, yeah, not even have the emotional yeah, intelligence yeah, yeah. to articulate what I was going through. And even when I went to get moved on to get my master's in psychology, while I was in school learning about trauma, I still could not articulate the, 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 intergenerational, direct and indirect trauma that I've endured my entire life. Um, and, and literally it took, it took plant medicines to help me even just yeah. become aware of that, let alone develop the language to be able to articulate it, which is a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gabor Mate calls them, no, sorry, sorry. Eckhart Tolle calls them, you know, pain body on the country level. You you get you, you get the trauma from your you know like the Native American or, or the revolution of Iran and but so okay so you you pray to God to for help and God sends you plant medicine in which form it arrived? Well, the form that it arrived is when I finally um, again I was always just in transitions at the time and um, I <clears throat> felt that you know despite my feeling again very. Di dissociated from my culture, detached, I was looking for my tribe. And I just started going to the transformational festival uh, scene in Los Angeles. I began attending Lightning in a Bottle, Burning Man, connecting with these people, then going to Coachella. And through that scene, I began very like sporadically experimenting, as they say, uh, with, with, with these substances until one day in uh, spring of uh, 2014, I was at Co my first and last Coachella festival. Um, at the time, I had, again, no education about psychedelics, no concept of set and setting, not understanding anything about dosages. I just knew that these things could, you know, um, could mean a good time. And a friend handed me a packet of uh, MDMA. I have no idea how much was in that packet of MDMA except that I know that it was now from the, you know, reflecting back, I believe that it was, you know, three or four times a typical dose that a person would take, um, uh, or, or would require. And, and that experience literally cracked me open. And from that moment on, without getting into the details of what happened on that evening, but it, you know, I've spoken about this on so many different podcasts, <laughs> it's all over the internet. Um, but that, that 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 one one multiple dose of MDMA, um, you know, for the first time in my existence, or at least in this in this uh, lifetime that I'm currently in, for the first time in this lifetime, under that influence of the substance, I felt so incredibly connected to other people, able to have, like to be in intimate conversations without shying away, under understanding for the first time what unconditional love is, or at least experiencing in that way, uh, being able to communicate without words with thousands of other people and, they, you know, just co communicating through energy and having an immense amount of gratitude like I'd never before even knew was possible. So these are some of the things I experienced that, and I, you know, drove home the next day just crying crying like the tears would not stop something moved within me and just i felt so incredibly i felt so privileged and so fortunate that i was gifted that window that there is another there is more outside of this bubble of human suffering that i've been born into and also created for myself so that gratitude uh, that I felt just for, again, like being like able to glimpse into something like that, 
that what picked my curiosity. I just wanted to like continue being in that gratitude and understand, like explore that again, like peek into that window more and see what else is there because there is something else. So over the next few months, since, you know, I I decided, wow, there is something there, something therapeutic, you know, beyond the very fun, beautiful recreational experiences that we have typically at festivals, there is something therapeutic in this modality. And within the next few months, it's like, it, it was just being shown to me everywhere through just to like different levels of encounters, like serendipitous moments that I would have never before been aware of, right? Suddenly, like, there was a more awareness to, to see the synchronicities, to to see like the divine intelligence that's operating. Again, I did not yet have that language to even articulate what I'm able to articulate now, but I, I felt like life was communicating with me. And exactly six months, almost to the day after that uh, MDMA experience, I, I began meditating because I was going through a terrible heartbreak. And I did for the first time in my life, kind of like a breath of fire meditation, just off of YouTube with no substances, completely sober. I mean, if it matters, I was just, you know, to color the picture a little bit, I was working in New Orleans at a, at a, um, uh, for a convention I was working in. And um, I remember returning to my room after a really difficult day. Again, a lot of relational issues. I had some trouble with my colleagues, things that we couldn't settle down. And I just returned to my hotel room and just broke down. I said, I have to meditate. I have to breathe through this, put on a breathing meditation on YouTube, and then had a, a holotropic breathwork experience, um, complete visionary experience. I left my body. I saw visions of my old soul being broken and a new soul of light coming through my body. And I woke up as a conscious being. Beautiful. Um, and uh, I woke up as a conscious being and suddenly I saw the world in a completely different way. I knew that I was conscious. Again, before that, that word, I couldn't even articulate what it was. Um, I, I knew that I was conscious. I knew that I was a being of light. I knew that I was here to be of service. That was another whole new concept that, again, meant nothing prior to that moment. And I knew that I was here to be of service in psychedelic therapy. So those are the four things I, I opened my eyes and knew. And from that moment that I woke up as again, that conscious being that was completely aware, knew what her felt like she knew what her mission was. Like I basically was encoded with a new knowledge that I didn't have before. And I had awareness of the, these codes. Um, I began operating in the world from that place. And it was like a domino effect within a month. I was back in school, getting my master's, even though despite all of, again, as mentioned, like, I wasn't a res I wasn't even a legal resident. I could not even go to you know apply to a higher degree if I wanted to, you know. Somehow, again, without getting into the details, I was able to make it through. I was accepted into grad school. I made it through all the hurdles of, you know, you're not allowed to, you know, I went through all of that, sat in school within a year and a half, got my my master's, met all the right people, started um creating the um psychedelic integration. Society, um, society organization in Los Angeles, um, doing research, working with clients in school, getting my coaching certification, just every, it was like, it was like everything was rolled out, um, effortlessly really. And, um, you know, of course I, I was still fairly new in the plant medicine world at the time. Let's not forget this was again, 2014. Prior to that, I had like very sporadic, random engagements with this modality. It's not that, you know, I was doing this for years. It's not that I, like I was doing this in high school. Um, but in that moment, it just became fully intentional. Again, fully intentional. This is my path. And there is something here that is meant to heal all of us. And I'm committed to this study of learning how to heal all of us through learning how to heal myself. And, and basically translating my journey as I go along. And that's how I became this, uh, what I'm, I'm, you know, my first organization was the psychedelic integration coach. Um, literally I became that cause I didn't have the tools to integrate. Like, I did not, 
I needed to be integrated so badly that I just became my own guru and just translated that to other people and shared what I was learning. Yeah, yeah. They say that the thing you can teach the best is what you need to use the most. But but so so you talk about plant medicine, but so I heard about an MDMA experience, allotropic breath work, and then there was some um, more entheogens, more of plant medicine oh, yeah, type. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I, of course. No, I'm definitely kind of like jumping forward in time. So I'm I'm naming MDMA as that big experience that was my crack into this this new reality. Um, but yes, of course, I the um, I would I had I had relationships with all the popular plant medicines and psychedelics, MDMA, psilocybin, cannabis, uh, ketamine, ayahuasca, um, LSD. Am I missing anything? Those were the the, the primary ones. Combo, DMT. Um, you know, of course trying to be mindful of how to learn from all these different teachers. Um, but yeah, I've, I've definitely, I've worked with the, with this entire family and other ones, but these are the primary ones. But so you, you know how they say that, you know, spiritual growth is not a linear line, continuous line going up. It's more like a step situation mm -hmm. where for many times, sometimes you even go, go down and then there is like a cathartic moment. There's a big step up. So definitely the MDMA experience, definitely the tropic breath work. What would be another couple of moments where there was a big step up in terms of understanding of yourself, the world, the connection in it, and the purpose, etc.? Yeah, I mean, there were there were so many ebbs and flows in the journey, as you know, you just described it uh, so well yourself, you know, and I feel like my journey um, in some ways is very similar to other people who are just waking up. Right. So again, remember, I, I literally had an awakening experience, which I feel is very common right now on the planet. A lot of people, and I feel like the pandemic was actually like really beneficial for that. Like a lot of people were brought down to their knees during this era. And again, we're looking for a way out and began waking up. And, um, you know, so this is what happened. And for most people that wake up in this way, I feel like in the beginning, there's, there's kind of like the honeymoon stage, right? This is amazing. Wow. You know, everything is like going for me. If you feel like you like you were gifted life anew. Um, and then, you know, once you kind of like you, 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 you get into that groove and you get into some sort of a literal and metaphorical high. And there is that initial fire of awakening. There's an initial fire where we literally feel like we can do anything. And this is, you know, not uh, any different from a lot of people that go to ayahuasca for the first time in the jungle. And they say, wow, I'm here to heal the planet. I'm going to open a retreat center and be a shaman and this and that. Right. So I went through something similar in that way. I mean, I didn't want to be a shaman and you know do that. But immediately I knew this is my path. I'm going to go to school. I'm going to become a psychedelic therapist. Let me start this organization. Let me, you know facilitate these classes and just like dipping my toes everywhere. And then I had um, a, an experience and this one was, let's say with specifically with a combination of LSD and MDMA, which is, and in, I think one of my com favorite combinations of all time, I took it specifically. And again, in a therapeutic, with a highly therapeutic intention. I did like the classic thing just in my room with eye shades on. I had some, again, these relationship problems wouldn't stop. And I just wanted to understand why they, they were happening. And this particular experience just showed me, you know, showed me within me the roots, the traumatic roots of, of, um, of this reality, you know, roots that did not begin with, with me necessarily, but were being manifested through me through behavioral patterns that I was just, you know, playing out unconsciously. And that experience brought me to my knees, literally. And that was, I feel like that was kind of like an entrance to a portal of um, a very heavy dark night of the soul, um, through which, you know, I went concurrently. And I want to just emphasize that um, during that time, you know, I was, um, married to the love of my life, also a psychedelic person, very well known in our community. Um, we, we fell in love immediately. We created a family. I went through pregnancy. I had a daughter. I, w I also had postpartum depression. 
you know, we were, we moved a house. There were so many things that were happening while I was just like, again, on my knees, studying with the medicines, trying to take care of myself, trying to take care of my baby. So I was operating in both dimensions and surfing big waves on both dimensions. And it was a lot. Um, and, um, so there were definitely like steps in these years that, you know, as you said, Giancarlo, like, okay, a step that kind of escalated. There were a few of those, but I feel like overall, I feel like, um, again, all these years, I feel like I've kind of been operating in, in a vacuum reality. And maybe this is a great topic to discuss that I feel is really important for listeners who are, um, you know, excited about the psychedelic field, you know, they find their tribe, they want to be of service. They just basically like throw themselves into the world of using all of these medicines. And it's like very sexy and enticing and trendy to like talk about like how amazing psychedelics are for personal growth. And, and, you know, we're all doing all this work and we're of service, but no one wants to talk about like how incredibly difficult it can be to also be a human at the same time. We are, you know, raising children, trying to get up and go to work, still have to go, you know, do our laundry, go shopping in the market. You know, we're expected to show up and as our highest self all the time, you know, a lot, I feel like we're kind of like, we've disowned our human life being all these psychedelic personas. Um, almost like, not almost like literally shaming our human sides um for the sake of collective enlightenment and awakening and i feel like we're almost um kind of like doing ourselves a disservice and not just ourselves but a lot of other people that are approaching this modality you know a lot of people we don't we don't talk about the hardship hardships as the, much yeah yeah the shadows yeah yes exactly um yeah, yeah. So, but so yeah i feel i you know before getting into now um, the 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 part the professional part of you know you deciding to teach the teacher you know integrate this knowledge how to combine this information with 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 the challenge of everyday life and our humanity I just want to go back a little bit try to understand what's happening you think you know the MDMA you know I'm not as familiar as what's happening in the brain with MDMA I know there is like a surge of oxytocin. So there is this uh, feeling of you know we are in the same team. It's a very bonding hormones, and so the 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 fear, the the flight and fight, the 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 guard being being guarded approach sorts of like dissipate um, in uh, for for the tryptamines for the most classic psilocybin DMT. Um, Michael Pollan talks about um, an egoic armor gets dissolved, the, the default mode network. So I'm wondering, what do you think about, because you said, oh, I, I sort of like received some codes, but maybe maybe we always had them and maybe it's just semantic. Maybe we already have this understanding, but it's sort of covered by, you know, the egoic armor, but all the uh, protection, all the armor that we build in, in a sense to get protected from the from the neurological and spiritual injuries we get mm -hmm. from childhood from the parents from a culture from our you know the countries and we keep on building this is like a cartilage around this neurological tear that that basically prevent us from connecting with us with oneself and other is it possible that um it's just a rediscovery of a, of some sort of wholeness that we already had before building all this protection. What do you think about this, the, looking at this like that? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I think, you know, you're touching on a really interesting cultural point, right? The whole idea of integration popularly, you know, the psychedelic integration is a relatively new term and, and theory. And, in the entheogenic world, uh, and it's simply a modality that has been invented or rather created from and presenting need of a cult, an evolving culture. And, you know, it's hard to say exactly what it is. We're literally figuring out again and narrate, narrating it as we go along. And a lot of people, or rather, I'm sorry, I'm not going to say a lot of people, but culturally, 
it's assumed that integration helps us become more whole. Basically, it's a method for us to become more whole. Um, and I feel like this is kind of uh, a replica or rather a, a projection of our larger culture, which insists that doing the work and personal development and fixing ourselves is what we're here, is what we're here to do which I feel like it's, it's a type of a systemic oppression, okay? Because what is it really communicating to us? That we're broken, that we're some type of project that we need to take on ourselves, and if we're not working, then we're worthless. Then we're not, we're not showing up, and we're, we're, um, we're not good enough, right? So it's basically perpetuating the idea, these, this ancient abandonment, not good enough type of wound to just kind of keep us small and in our place and exhausted. So I want to name that because I feel like this is something that's prevalent in the psychedelic culture as well. And to answer your question, yes, I do believe that we are already whole. We are already whole. But too many people in our culture, including in the psychedelic world, tell us that we need to work on ourselves and fix ourselves. Um, and, and I'm kind of working against that, right? Okay, so there is all, the, all these narratives um, and integration, when we show up and, you know, granted, a lot of us, myself included, have to go through that period of like rigorous work yourself to the bone to prove that we're worthy, to discover that nothing has been wrong with us all along. We were always whole. We were always perfect. We're always, we were always beings of light. And, you know, back then and now I'm the same being of light. Nothing has changed. The only thing that's changed is my perception and my awareness that the shadow is not going anywhere. The shadow has always been there. The shadow is a mandatory, necessary part of the, the universe. And I am the universe. And it's, it's who I am. It's who we are. You know, the more that we try to enlighten it, you know, bring light to it, fix it, abolish it, abolish the demons and the darkness, that's, it's, I feel like it's counterproductive. And, you know, with that with the event that I had, again, when I had like, when I was awakened with these codes, I feel like it's nothing I can say for sure, right? So I brought this up to another friend who's steeped in, in spiritual teachings, and, and she shared with me about the concept of a walk-in in, in spirituality, the concept of a walk-in, that there are some souls uh that chose some type of a life journey and, and Dol the teacher dolores cannon by the way speaks to this all the time the concept of a soul walk-in so there are souls that operate on the planet and they come to a point where they just can no longer take it and then basically the soul leaves the body and a new soul walks in and takes over the human form um, so I'm not, I can't say for sure if, you know, I might, so my friend says, you know, you could have been a walk-in. I said, you know what, maybe, I don't know. Um, so I could have been a walk-in and it could have be that, like you say, that holotropic breath work, I was like, so ready to just let everything go. Cause I was in so much suffering. I was just ready to literally shake off all the stories. Um, that, yeah, maybe, maybe I was, um, finally in a place where I was ready to lose control. And I did lose control in that experience and something else lit up inside of me and I was finally able to receive it. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. But so let's get into this integration business. That's the, that's the, that's the core of your business, right? You, you, you help, you, you, you train integration specialists to help, you know, psychedelic practitioner to integrate this knowledge into their daily life. So maybe let's, what is the, how does it work? How this, how your integration protocol works? Sure. So I developed an integration method called the psyched soul method, and it's been developed over the years that I've been in the field, working as a community builder. You know, when I got started, I literally, everything I did was for free or by donation, just creating meetups um sharing circles creating protocols and then slowly building my coaching practice slowly giving classes and then people started asking me wow do you give do you can you actually do like a longer training i'm like sure i have like all the material i've developed for my clients so all everything that i've created 
has been created through field experience, working with clients and through myself, my personal study. And I really just want to emphasize that. Um, and of course, also my background in, in the academia. And um, at the time, in 2016, I believe, um, I was affiliated or I took the MAPS Multidisciplinary Association of Psychedelic Studies for just uh, starting their MDMA-assisted psychotherapy training program. Um, I entered that program and I, I did a couple of the modules. And in there, I learned about the protocols that they used for the clinical trials of MDMA which uh, we know that MDMA, when used in a certain context, certain setting, and with a certain protocol by MAPS, which for them, it's one month of PrEP, three treatments, and then a month of integration. Um, and, and that protocol provides um, impressive results for people who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. So I was in that program. And at the same time, I was also, I had some friends who actually went through that Clinic, these clinical trials as participants did the treatments, did the whole protocol. And I learned through them that, you know, after four months of working with MAPS and the trials, going through that protocol, they were basically, they felt like they were thrown back into the water. They dealt with their trauma, but had no idea how to operate now as people that have their trauma in check, right? So there was no words on habits. They were lacking community. Um, basically, they, it was, they were having difficulty sustaining the incredible results. So it's like the results were kind of like in a vacuum, but weren't really grounded in their lives. So putting all these pieces together, and again, just working with private clients on my own, I developed the Psyched Soul Method, which is, it's based on the MAPS model. However, it also extends in, into a two-month um, sustainability and recreation period, meaning I'm a big fan of integration being a lifelong journey. It's not something that happens one or two sessions after a psychedelic experience, but rather it's a holistic, multidimensional model. It be integration begins the moment that we begin thinking about ingesting the substance. Then we start arranging, thinking what, you know, do we want to take a mushroom? Do we want to try ayahuasca, where should we do it? How much should we take? Oh, this is the time. Maybe I'll do it with this person. Oh, this is all integration. And then of course there's a day-to-day -day practice. So it's a life, it's a lifelong thing. So my site soul method is based on an ongoing minimum six month protocol where the clients um, circle through different themes that are prevalent in the integration individuation process. And, and study them in depth. And then, of course, utilize the medicines to, to bring more awareness, but the medicines are not the highlight. Their daily work, day-to-day -day work practices are the highlight of the work. Um, so it's basically, how can I say this? Like an ancient technology, a mindfulness technology. You know, the, the Buddha, you know, this is nothing new. The Buddha said, just show up sit in stillness, listen to yourself, you know, and we have teachers to remind us how to just like be far removed from, from uh, the constructs of our mind, just do that every day. And this is the practice. So integration is a mindfulness practice around psychedelics. And, you know, the, the deeper I get into this world, you, with all the methods I've created, courses, programs, you know, all the formulas, all these are available for people who feel like they need it until they finally discover that this was, it's, it's not the core of the work. The core of the work is the way that they show up to themselves every single day. Yes, yes. It's, it's, it's a lifelong process of reconnection with the self. But so, do you, do you mind if I make a distinction between, and, and of course they're intertwined, but you know, usually, traditionally, we talk about the psychedelic experience you know, of the two the two possible outcome there is, you know, a journey of personal transformation, a, a first first a personal discovery, and then a personal transformation, and then a personal growth. And 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 I can see how the type of integration you just described fits well this model of 
transcend your trigger, transcend your pain bodies, recognize what is the your true personality versus what is a trigger, work on what is your authentic self and make sure that you, are, you operate through the authentic self. And when the wounded self intervene, it, be aware that now you're operating, you know, you're not responding from your authentic self, but you're reacting from your uh, wounded self. So this this integration um, approach of self-discovery is crystal clear and you're very right to say that it's not three months, six months, it's, it's, it's a lifelong journey. But then the other possible outcome is this idea of, um, you know, myst- mystic state and, 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 um, and, you know, other dimension, this idea of encountering with, with, with divinity, with beings, you know, are they from another planet, from, um, in, you know, from a, from a different dimension, are, you know, are they a project of our imagination or, are, or they are independent sentient beings? So, I, you know, we interviewed some integration coach and, and that's a little bit my passion. What would you say to, you know, when, when, a, when a practitioner comes back from a trip and says, oh, you know, I was with this entity, it can be benevolent, can be malevolent, or I, I, I had this discussion with some divinity, how do you integrate in the Western, secular, materialistic, skeptic paradigm? You know, if you think about it, it's like almost the opposite of what it's done traditionally in, in psychotherapy, right? You go to a traditional Western, secular, materialistic psychotherapist, first of all, they can't even take your hand. There is like no, 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 no touch. Forget, forget about it. You, you have to stop the therapy to even have getting a coffee. There is no physical hug. There's no emotion. I mean, there is emotional support more and more, but you know, there is no talk about mysticism. There's no talk about divinity. And and some and some of your colleagues told me, you know, they say, okay, we offer integration in terms of the personal growth, but the moment there is an entity or there is a mystical experience or there's a transcendental experience, then we refer back to the shaman. And so, so for me, it's like what it, you know, if you think about it, you know, we Western white people go to the Amazon, take these plants from them. We give it to our white Western people and we feel, oh, that's very good. It make them feeling better and more empowered. And we build an entire multi-billion dollar around that. We medicalize it. But then the moment that this medicine shows another aspect of the personal growth, which is the mystical aspect, which is what has been used for, for 10,000 years, we say, oh, that's not our responsibility. It doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense. What's your view on that? Yeah. And you know what? It's actually, I didn't realize that there were integration coaches that would actually like state what you said when it comes to the mystical, they just refer back to the shaman. That That's a bit alarming to me, to be honest. I mean, the way that I see it, what is being integrated right now? The spirit world, the great mystery, the feminine aspect of life is being integrated right now into a very masculine, capitalized, um, capitalistic way of being that has induced within us a sense of separation, separation from God, separation from who we are. We've just been completely isolated and individual, like hyper individuated to a point where we're so far removed from ourselves. We're all about linear science-based, about the rational, which means we've completely abandoned the natural, wild, earthy, great mystery. And that's why ayahuasca is becoming so popular right now, because ayahuasca is the antidote to to our very clear-cut, medicalized model that has taken over our world. And, uh, you know, it is we people that are... Work more working in the in integrated, integrative medical models. For example, Gabor Mate, which you've stated. For example, there's another doctor. I believe he's um, Portuguese. I'm not sure exactly, but his name is uh, Nader Buto. Okay, he has this medical model that he created that is an integrative. He's a big ayahuasca person, and again, medical doctor. There is also uh, Dr. Joe Tafour. Okay, so we do have a few people that understand that. All these ailments that we're experiencing in the West, whatever it is, all the pathologies we called mental disease, they're rooted in spiritual disease, spiritual imbalance, 
physical disease is rooted in spiritual imbalance. So there are people who understand that. And to me, as an integration person, I believe that the greatest role of integration coaches, therapists, again, we are the mediators of worlds. We are the bridge between worlds. We have to be proficient in understanding both the science and the mystery and be yeah. able to communicate between both. Yeah, but, but who, you know, better easier said than done to be proficient in, in intermediate with, with the spirit world. I mean, how, how, do, how do we know from the spirit world? And can you elaborate on spiritual imbalance? What do you mean by that? I mean, I understand what you mean, but I just wanted you to tell for the client, for the listener. Okay, let me see how I can say this in a, in a very simple way, you know, just not exactly knowing who the listeners are. But let's say, um, I'm going to take a very, well, I don't know if I want to get into an example like that because it may be a bit controversial. I'm going to give an example of one of my clients, okay, without naming, of course, anything. Um, some, I had a client who suffered, who came to me because she experienced, she has fibromyalgia, which is, she, is she, she explained it the way that she described this disease. She always feels like she has like burning pain all over her body. She's so, so sensitive. It's hard for her to move. It's hard for her to, to, to sit. Everything is painful. And, um, you know, all the medications that she's taken, the, the, and the, forgive, I mean, I can't get into too many details. This was years and years ago. I'm just trying to like really keep it bare bones, but pharmaceuticals, doctors that she had, nothing was helping this woman. She was, I believe in her early sixties. And we, in our session talked about, you know, where, what is she experiencing in her life? Where are her relationships at? And I feel like relationships are always great indicators. Basically, can a person, are they able to be in intimacy with another person? Are they thriving in relationship? Again, whether it's close friendships or romantic um, relationships or with parents or siblings, is the, parent, the person able to thrive in relationship or are they shut down, avoidant, dissociated, triggered, etc.? And through our conversation, Typically, when we talk about relationships, somehow, well, not somehow, it always, 99.9% .9 of the time, goes back to early childhood, which is the time that we, um, as, as when we come into the world in early childhood, from age zero to two, two to four, four to six, this is where we create, where we learn how to bond with the world and relate to the world. Basically, through our earliest years, the way that we are able to relate with our parents if they took care of our needs, if our needs were validated by them or not validated by them, then that's how we develop our ability to relate to others, also known in psychology as attachment. So can we create a healthy attachment or not? So through a discussion like that, I learned that this person grew basically into a religious cult and um you know went through some things in this religious cult where she went horrific sexual abuse as a child without protection from the parents she was violated and i mean i don't know if you i mean people can't see me on camera but i i just noticed that even as i was talking i was kind of like you know tightening up and literally felt my skin burning because the person you know, we can see, you know, through all the, like this conversation and what this person went through. And, you know, we, she talked about the symbol of fire and how, you know, like something that happened when she was younger, that there was fire. And she also kept talking about how the pain was burning her, right? So there was a lot of symbolism. So just from our conversation, for me, it was very clear that the pain body that she was holding on to, again, that fire pain, because her body has been violated so many times. Her spirit has been violated so numerous times as a child that literally her body has manifested a psychological condition where she created a, an armor of fire protection against other people through the fibromyalgia because she's been violated so many times. So this is an example of how when her spirit was invaded through a trauma that was not healed, the body held onto that trauma, like the, book, like the very famous book, The Body Keeps the Score. The body holds onto trauma. 
a trauma, which is a blocked, unresolved energy, when the, the body doesn't complete a, a physical response and then traps the, um, the, um, the, the energy gets trapped in the body and then manifests through all sorts of um, uh, physical diseases, physical distortion, physical and um, mental compulsions, etc. Um, so this was maybe a little bit more complicated than I should yeah. have. Yeah. No. To, no. To, this is this is comp very clear. The the psychosomatic uh, aspect of of you know to what extent psychedelic can definitely you know uncover this kind of trauma and 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 some some you know. Uh, reaction to childhood trauma. This is clear. I was interested to understand how do you integrate a, an entity that that come and see you during one of these medicine? Can be benevolent, can be malevolent. How do you integrate that? You have to change your, a complete worldview, right? Sometimes someone someone told me, you know, like everybody talks about integration, but it's like you take the flingstone from the caveman, right? And and you take no, them. Methods integrated. I think it really it depends on you know. I think the example that's being shared. Okay, there is an entity, and how can a person integrate that? I would you know the way that I would approach it is okay. Who is this person, and what is their story? Of the what of, is yeah their, yeah. What are, they, what are they coming into the ceremony with? Yeah. What are their conditions? What is their family like? Are they in a crisis? What's their job? Do they have a physical condition? Have they, uh, do they have any interest in the spiritual world? Where, where yeah. is, uh, how did they grow up as children? Basically, you know, a person is not isolated from their environment and neither is um, any type of psychedelic insight, right? So the way that I see it, all psychedelic insights, be, be it deities, be it memories, be it other dimensions, be it like a new wisdom that comes through, they all exist in an environment. And it's, you can't just take an insight verbatim or literally and try to apply it to the person. You have to look at the ecosystem around the insight and the ecosystem of the person and see how they relate to one another. For example, there could be two people sitting in the same ceremony, right? One person sees a serpent coming at them and the snake looks at them. And the person looks at them and the snake is about to eat them. And the person is just terrified and passes out because they're mortified that their snake is about to eat them. Whereas the other person would see the same snake, sees that the snake is about to eat them, and they would jump into the mouth of the snake, right? And it's this exact same vision, but two completely different ways of relating. And the root of this relationship is where the person is rooted or not rooted. But so these entities, they are not independent, in your opinion. Nobody knows. We are speculating, of course. They're not independent sentient beings. They are, they are, a, they are a projection of our psyche. I think, I think it's, well, now, okay. I think, I, think, I think it's both and, okay? I think they are projections of the psyche from what, what the person's dharma, where it leads them to go and what they're interested in. And without, yes, absolutely, there are independent entities, but it's the way that we, each and every single one of us relates to these entities. And it's through these relationships is how we can study ourselves and understand ourselves and understand how to integrate these concepts. Yeah. The relationship is, is the core of integration, not the insight and actually not even the person. It's the context. Yeah, yeah. It's difficult, right? We don't know much about that. You know, every tribes have their own interpretation. Sure, but I, you know, I do believe that there are, again, there are ways, there are techniques, and it has to be for me. Again, this is like how I've come to understand integration. And integration is all about the again the relationships. And without understanding the relationships, we can't just interpret an insight. Of course, you know, like Carl Jung did. It's not. There's yeah. the collective symbolism, which we can take into consideration, but it doesn't mean that it's true for every single person. Yeah. And I feel like, again, that's why that, that showing up every day, whatever it is, to action, you can choose to show up to your psychedelic ceremony every day, yeah. or you can choose to wake up every day and see that, you know, these entities are already here. They're already here. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, 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 the. the... The 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 Buddhist the Tibetan monk the Lama they see entities all the time. Correct. 
So if you're aware of them, you know, the gift of psychedelics is that they make us aware. But it's up to us as humans, and this is what makes us different from animals. You know, we have that intelligence and willpower. Yeah. And it's up to us as humans to claim that willpower, the power of choice, and choose how we want, if we want to interact with this information and how we want to interact with this information. And it's through that decision that we can understand and integrate ourselves into the best version that, of human that we can be. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating territory, right? But don't you think that, you know, some of like the, you know, dream work that Young has done or other, um, don't you think we Western people, now that we are integrating this medicine into the medical system and, 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 and otherworldly material will appear, Mm-hmm. I don't still feel that there is a, a, a protocol. I mean, you know, you go and do the iboga with the with the buiti. They have a very clear cosmovision of what you see. They're not mm-hmm. interested on in how you feel. They ask you, you know, they want to see color. They want to see shape. They have an interpretation for the red triangle and the green circle mm-hmm. and the shibibo. They have their own cosmovision and the boa and the eagle. And, and, and we feel that what about us? You know, I sometimes I feel maybe we should have some theologian or some, you know, I, I it's just just my 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 opinion. You know, it's, it's exciting. is a is a is an industry. is a young industry. is an industry in development. And thanks to people like you, we are, you know, trying to harness the power of this medicine. Um, it's just very fascinating. <laughs> it is fascinating, and I I think that the more we, I think again, it's it's all culture dependent, right? I don't think we've reached any peak by any means. Um, and when I say peak, you know, I feel like Michael Pollan with his book, How to Change Your Mind, definitely created an upsurge in the collective of this, in this new culture that we've create, or that we are creating uh, right now in terms of the third wave of, of psychedelic, of the psychedelic movement. I feel like the media is waking up. I feel like there will be a point where it just like reaches some type of a saturation but don't you think that this third wave is is the medicalization is the neuro it is the neuro the neurochemistry the what's happening in the brain the fourth i mean we're going to have to integrate this on a spiritual level <laughs> i think it is for the people who need that and i think people will need that and i agree i do think that again going back to what we said earlier what wants to be integrated it's not the medicines it's a spirit world yeah. and i feel like you know, because of, of the capitalistic systems that, again, are trying to take over exactly type of culture, that facet of the culture, yeah. will, they will miss out on that. And it's going to end up, yeah. you know, it is, it is, it is already missing it out. And with that, there are many people in, in our culture yeah. that, are, you know, like people like myself and people that have been in the field may way longer than I have. And they're creating amazing things that. You know, I feel like we are trying to bring a more alternative, countercultural, you know, try to, again, integrate the wisdom of the forest with the medical model. You know, you can't just isolate the molecules. You know, I've, heard, I've heard of companies wanting to isolate the molecules to eliminate bad trips. No, but they're doing it already. They're already doing it. Oh, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And I feel but- like in that regard, it's like ster- sterilization of the medicine. I feel like that's going to end up backfiring. No, but it's, they're, they're, miss, they're missing the most interesting part of this experience. Psychedelic is not a product, it's not a pill, it's a, it's a, it's a, way, of think, it's a way of thinking, it's a cosmology. You ask a Kogi about the river and he says, this is my brother, it's not a metaphor. They really believe that there, there is. So, you know, rather than taking this opportunity of using the states to and I don't want to be like all negative. I mean, it's super welcome, this revolution and the renaissance. I'm just encouraging people to look not just at the effect, but at the ontology behind it. The ontology of the medicine is an ontology of connection with nature, where plants speak and animals speak, and the mountain on a subatomic level is connected to all this. is an animistic religion with everything is connected. And that's exactly the kind of awareness we need to start using, being more aware about the impact of nature of human affairs. And I, I just feel that, you know, 
it's I don't hear that enough. You know, my friend that I see years, they are making great work, and and on 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 this idea of the new ontology. You know, the psychedelic renaissance is linked to a different way to see us and the space. You know, it, it, I understand the old. Uh, you know, Newtonian Cartesian understanding of the cosmos being a big gigantic clock, mechanic clock. We needed that kind of rational rationalism, uh, and you know, and 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 you know, I think therefore I am because we didn't want to get away from the horror of the Middle Age. But then the next evolution of human thinking is an evolution is is a thinking of 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 connection with the natural world and i don't hear people talking about that enough but anyhow that's just my quick rant <laughs> sorry i and i completely understand and i feel like really what you're saying is you're really repeating or reiterating uh the message that the native people have known all along and the, the traditions that they're trying to preserve Exactly. Now, when I was at psychedelic science, one of the most powerful things I heard was from a young um, indigenous woman who said, you know, we have like, she was basically pointing the finger of how a lot of us have a tendency to say, we are the medicine, we are the medicine, right? And she said, well, actually, we are not the medicine. It's the relationship, the community that's the medicine. It's the fact that we are learning to return to be with other people to sit in the circle together. And through that sitting in the circle together, this is how we heal. So the medicine are, are the ones that are basically pulling us into that space, but they're not the medicine. It's the, again, the relating, the healthy relating, the sitting together where there are no hierarchies, there are no certifications, there are no, you know, authorities or medical models or certifying bodies or whatever. We're all sitting in the same, we're holding hands. We're all, there's one kind, the human kind, and that's the medicine. Nice, and, nice. you know, for me as a person that's been operating in the field and also specifically, I, you know, I want to name, you asked me in the, before we got on the call, like if there's anything I want to talk about, there is something I want to talk about. You know, I've, I've founded five psychedelic harm reduction organizations as mentioned, you know, a person that uses psychedelics, I wanted to share what I knew, what I learned in real time. People asked to learn from me. I created what they, you know, what the best products I could, the best services I could to support their needs. One of them being the first integration coaching certification that was one year long. Um, I think I was the first one in the world that created something like that to that, like comprehension. This was in January, 2020. And in the last year alone, year and a half, I think I learned of at least five, six, or seven other organizations that created coaching certification schools. And, you know, I feel like in some way that's like a natural progression of the culture. And in some ways, you know, the more that I get into the medicine path, the more I see, you know, the whole idea of certification is something that I've always questioned, like, how is this contributing to the culture? What am I contributing as a creator? You know, when I, for, for me, training is important, but is this basically, again, a replica of, um, again, creating authority, creating gatekeeping? I've always thought about these things. Like, how is this helping or not helping? And I've basically come to an understanding from the get-go that I still ha have had this, under I had this, like, understanding when I was holding no cost circles in Los Angeles years ago that basically like all I, I am interested in doing is providing the information, giving the information to the people so they can learn how to take care of themselves. And, you know, I finally, after three and a half years of having the school, I decided that I, you know, I don't want to contribute to this anymore. I want to create something different that again, will just be more of like an open resource and just provide the information and to, again, to go back to creating communities. Because information, again, it's all the methods, the protocols, like we talked about earlier, it's just to help people feel safe. You know, oh, there's a method. Oh, there's a protocol. But then they understand, again, that again, the medicine, like you say, it's the connection. So I'm more interested in focusing on that and less on the method. Um, so that's kind of where I'm headed now in terms of service. 
Thank you. Thank you, Shiri. We, we just passed an hour. Um, but so you did mention a little bit where you're going. But so if you had to think about yourself in 10, 20 years, where, 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 where would you like to be? <laughs> I know exactly where I'm going to be. Nice. Uh, Tell us. Yeah, I'm a creative educator. I've been doing creative education in different formats for 25 years and specifically in the psychedelic world for about eight years. But years ago, I was a preschool teacher. I was, you know, a makeup artist uh, training other people how to feel more beautiful. I was doing all sorts of things. And um, I came to an understanding. I've invested so many years and again, helping people quote unquote, fix themselves, helping adults release all their trauma, release all the conditioning, basically undo all the damage that has been accrued for decades. And I had an epiphany on mushrooms a few months ago that instead of putting in so much effort, a multi-billion dollar industry that wants to fix people, I'm going to go straight back to the children and help them retain what they already know. Beautiful. And basically... And you know, I'm interested in collapsing the time it takes all of us as a planet to wake up. So is it, you know, let people grow up and be, you know, dysfunctional adults or just go back to the kids and just help them remember how whole they are from the get go. And what an influence would that make on the planet? You know, they grew up in three decades, three generations. We're going to have a whole new planet, basically. Um, so I am interested in basically taking everything I've learned in the conscious education space and, of course, everything I've learned before and creating a new conscious education modality for children. Um, and, of course, you know, to, to, to include, you know, tools that are relevant for these times, for the transformation we're going through with the digital age that we're in, um, you know, AI, commerce, you know, all these like returning to nature, growing food, taking care of the planet, just taking all these elements that we need to help us prepare as we move into a new earth. So um, that's where I see myself going. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Listen, thank you so much for your work. It's so important. Um, but so if people are interested that, you know, look to be, want to become a facilitator or interested in what you're doing, where they can find you, we'll put it, we'll put it on the show notes. Thank you. Yeah, my website is psychedsoul.com. Um, I am very much focused on supporting women and creating a female sisterhood. And again, also, as mentioned, I'm creating a new service specifically that's meant to provide people all the information they need to support themselves and support other people in a um, um, less hierarchical way. Uh, you can find a lot of also free resources online, uh, a lot of free guides and downloads. You're welcome to grab anything that uh, can support your journey. Uh, and thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, share. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Uh, I just want to credit uh, Mihai Love, who, who introduced yeah. to each other and recommended we speak. Um, he started a beautiful organization called Power.life, integrating new technology, ancient technology, um, I would recommend to check them out, power.life. And we'll speak, um, I'll ping you in uh, next year. We'll, we'll continue and see where you are at next year. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. You Thank too. You. Thank you. Thank you, Shiri. Blessing. Coca sunarai sunarai en ti 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 Coca sunarai sunarai en ti